you know what? Uh, did you ever did you ever look at the uh, did you ever wonder about the the yellow thing on all the EA games? Oh, on the side, yeah. On how the they always hand. had that little yellow chip thing and everything. What was that for? Okay, so it was actually for nothing. But the rumor behind <laughs> it was no. The rumor behind it was like EA did that in order to actually make their games look distinct and everything. But the it idea worked. was like, well, everyone was like, oh, that's where all the extra processing power is, or oh, that's where the that's where it saves your game. Like there was this huge mythos behind this just yellow chunk of plastic sticking out of the side of a cartridge. But it was just. EA had custom cartridges to go and make them stand out. That's all it was. That's marketing, man. Welcome to the Cop Trolls Podcast with your hosts, Dave and Das Bruce. How you doing, man? Not so bad. It's bright and early. Yeah, for you. I'm actually still awake <laughs> from the day before, so like, I'm I'm the alert one for once. Active. Plus, it's like dreary out, so it's like the sun hasn't come up and stolen all my soulful energy. So you're in your prime, and I'm uh, just waking up on a normal Monday morning. A little bit, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's, well, this will go out a couple days, but yeah. So we're recording this on Labor, Labor Day. Day. <laughs> nice. But no, it's it's early morning after a long weekend of uh, video games and D and D. Actually, yep, yeah, we did a little D and D this weekend. That was we didn't interesting. Just, we we topped D and D. We did Lego D and D. Well, okay, so you, you wanna you wanna kind of give a rundown of kind of how we spent our weekend? Yeah, I mean, really, when it comes to Lego D and D, not only was it a hard sell to get people to want to play it. But I mean, what it is? is Wait, what do you mean it was a hard sell to get people to play? Do hey, you, you want to be nerdy? Don't play? But you want to top being nerdy people by like having. And they like Lego, but yeah. do you like Lego and D&D? It's like a mashup. It's fine. It's completely acceptable. And come to find out, I think it's actually better than standard D&D because it's, people like me. It's a little more accessible, I think. Yeah, for people without imagination like myself. Yeah, you definitely lack luster in the imagination. I mean, department. come on. How cool was it when we destroyed enemies that we could leave their feet and just remove the rest of their oh, bodies? Yeah, it's <laughs> like you've blown someone in half with a lightning bolt. So it's just the legs of a Lego character up. I don't know. I, I thought that was cool. And then some of the creatures, you know, you kind of just make what you want. And I don't know. For me, it's well, you really... Had, you had what? The uh, the dogs from uh, Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> yeah, the, like, ghost, the Ghostbusters. It baffles me how many Legos you honestly have. Like, I think, okay, you know, I have a lot of Legos, but then it's no, like... No, you don't. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you have a bucket. <laughs> Dude, no, I have bins, man. I have bins of Legos. Bins. But you have all the uh, licensed stuff. You see, all of my Legos collecting started when it was still like Legoland in the 80s and you mean everything. mean like when you were a kid? Yes. <laughs> well, all my, all my Legos are like, it was before they had minifigures with them. No, I, yes. I've seen yours. You have like the, the, the old castle Legos. No, but I also, have, I also have things where it was like just a boat or just a car <laughs> or like a store with no people. And see, I have those, but those are just tucked away so deep. Like I have the, the original trees. So just buried somewhere in the ether of Lego? It's under that kind of part of my collection of Legos that I'm like, I'm just going to sell these because I'm never going to use them. Do you still have the instructions them. for it, though? I do. I have all the instructions for my stuff, I, too, man. I, I lost a lot of my instructions, and a big, our whole basement flooded. Oh, I remember so the you saying something yeah, about so that. The only instructions what was it? I kept, the only thing that survived was, like, your toys, right? The Legos. Because, I thought your Jurassic Park toys survived, and, too, because they were in a bin or something were floating around. Yeah, most of those were still around, too, but it was really my Legos because when they went underwater, they were fine. They just had to be washed. Nice. But uh, apparently when things like Legos are the ultimate toy, in my opinion, they're the ultimate toy because they can withstand tons of pressure. Why did you have Legos? Like what was your appeal of Legos? Because you're not, you just are, you already preemptively admitted that you're not a creative guy. No. Uh, When I was a kid, 
um it was kind of like it was a hand-me-down toy i got some like the original really? legos as like a hand it was like one of those like small legos bu- as a hand-me-down yeah it was just like a small you bucket of Lego. spoiled brat man i had to buy all my toys with your my jealousy allowance. is just reflecting off your voice i'm just saying like i had to buy my toys so like economic you'll appreciate this then economically that was the smartest move because if you bought legos you could put them with your other legos so like constantly growing lego Plus, like, uh, yard sales. People just get rid of bags of them yep. and everything. So you go to yard sales, and you're like, bags of Legos. So you that's, could just... that's honestly where most of mine came from when I was a kid, is I used to go to the flea market with my dad on Saturdays. You know, all kinds and, of random we, stuff, man. Just get a ton of Legos, and I think that's how a lot of those trader blocks got in my uh Oh, mix. you got, uh, what is it, the mega, mega blocks? blocks uh... and, and building blocks is the new one that uh, I have to constantly tell my kids not to buy them at the Comic-Cons. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you can have any minifigure you want. Oh, yeah. And, the, and the... they're total bootlegs that they're, yeah. they're, like, super shiny. Well, it's funny, too, because there's, there's definitely, like, I remember you going there, and it's like, you check those minifigures the way that I check like a video game cartridge. Like you're like, there's like a certain printing that you're looking for. There's like a certain texture of the uh, material that it's made out of. Like you overly go on that on topic that. actually. So Saturday I went to the flea market and I saw tons of Pokemon bootlegs. The bootleg thing is getting out of control here. I, uh, and it's easy. I'm not, I don't know a, a way to look at a cartridge and tell if it's bootleg, but what I can tell is a Game Boy Advance game. Especially when it doesn't have the word Nintendo on it. Well, that's the thing. It'll the, leave out the word Nintendo. Yeah, the, 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 if the you look to, for some reason, they cannot get the uh, lettering right on small print. That's like almost it's a because they don't away. care. <laughs> I, I mean, they're trying to make it passable and everything. And if it was my kid, he he believed that they're all real. Yeah. But it's a it's a scary truth that now we're getting to the point where like there's so many bootlegs. I mean, like. I mean, can you even buy a cartridge online anymore? And, I don't. And, that's what you shun me so much for like avoiding buying stuff online, but that's one of the major things. Cause it's like, if I can't go and if I can't like, if I go into a shop, like a game shop and everything, and I'm like, Hey, let me go and let me crack open this cartridge and look at the chip and everything. And if they're like, no, I'm like, if I can't look at it to see if it's like a rewritable EEPROM, then I just, I don't touch it, man. It's, it's dangerous territory. Yeah. It's Especially crazy. when you're dropping that much money down on it. The first time I really felt like I, I remember seeing bootlegs was when the Dreamcast, when I had a Dreamcast. Oh yeah. That's that when bad. the internet was selling. Like you could go on eBay and you could buy bootleg Dreamcast games yep. and you could legally pretty much buy them. It's weird how like we went from like bootlegging discs to like just removing discs altogether with a lot of stuff, just eventually going digital and everything which kind of protects the the integrity of the game well it does because like you know selling directly to people and everything i mean like i remember like the market exploded when xbox opened up for uh a lot of their like indie producers the, and the stuff because they the did xbox that whole Arcade. yeah they did that whole like uh thing where basically they released a game engine creator thing that's like x xna or something and it was just like a game development tool and then they're like Go nuts, make games for our system, and we'll sell it. You know, and you got I'm a sure. bunch of like weird They're dollar like, games and everything. Here, you can have this, but we get thirty percent. Ha ha ha! But dude, ha, look at look how much like weird stuff. I mean, you got a lot of you got a lot of shovelware that came out of that. But I mean, you got uh, some pretty cool stuff. Like, I mean, what do you remember as the first one that you played? The uh, well, I'm trying to think because it's like because I feel like that kind of almost started like the whole like indie revolution and. A little bit, my, the the modern revolution this, this, of, this, of indie games. This is the indie episode, isn't it? We're doing the indie. We gotta. We're doing the okay. We're doing the indie on this. Okay. Uh, no. Let's see here. So the first thing that I really majorly remember was Steam was starting 
gain a lot of popularity and everything. This was like circa mid two thousands because like World of Goo was out. Do you well, remember World of Goo? I do not roll. It was like a World of Goo kind of weird like bridge building puzzle game, and that was kind of cool. But then you started to see stuff come over onto uh, console, and the first major one that I remember was Braid. Okay. And, and Braid and was amazing. That, that was done by uh, Jonathan Blow. Yep. Art style was phenomenal on it. And that was the watercolor game. Yeah, water, yeah, water it puzzle. A, yeah, it almost yeah. had like a watercolor visual aesthetics to it. And the main thing that really kind of blew it up, I think, was... I can't remember. I think it was Game Informer. Uh, or it was what, that or IGN. One, was, one of the big one publishers. Of the big, one of the big magazine people at the time. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, we were still on print stuff at the time. Because this would have been... <laughs> It was about two, two, 2008, the, I want to say somewhere, somewhere around that time. Yeah. It was, it was, it was mid part, mid to late part of 2000s, but they, they actually did an article. Like the game was so good. It was a digital only game. Which and is, to this day, they still have not made a physical copy of it. I know, which it's so weird. It's weird, but witness hasn't either. Well, that was Jonathan his follow up. Yeah. And I got to give them a lot of credit because, I mean, they have gone back and forth where some of them, they start digital and then they end up going to print eventually. But Like uh, Shovel Knight, right? Shovel Knight did that? Shovel is Knight, Shovel Knight considering indie? What, what exactly? Shovel okay, Knight hold on. is let's, indie because... Go ahead. Let's pause because I want to I figure out what, what exactly classifies an indie game. I would classify an indie game as any game that confused. is either self-published or published by a very small company. So you think even some of the smaller ones are picked up by like 505 Studios? 505 Studios is, is a relatively large enough company that I wouldn't consider them indie like anymore. Like Tim Schafer's company, uh, would, uh, Double Fine. Would and you classify du- them as indie? Because They went indie. See, they, they started with getting published games, like Psychonauts was published. Okay. But then they switched over to Kickstarter, and then that worked really well for them. And then I feel like now they, they self-publish or they go crowdsourcing Did for they? all their all their uh, publishing. Oh, what was it? Did you ever play? Uh, but was it Casey Casey Edfun? I can't pronounce his name. Um, the dude who did Mega Man. He did. Uh, he went to Kickstarter for was it? Uh, Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah. So Mighty Number no. Nine. Did you ever play that? I played when I went to the PlayStation this, Plus. I, I played it. Okay, I I went through my old PlayStation Plus stuff this last weekend, and I just burned through a lot of like the indie stuff that Did I you? had because I was like I was very short on time, but it was all a bunch of small downloads, and I was like, you know, I don't feel like throwing different discs in. I'm just gonna go and go through my digital because you know I've been doing more modern things. So yeah. I was trying to play the digital. Meanwhile, you're well, back on cartridges. Um, I went through and I played a lot of really cool things. I tried to play Mighty Number no. Nine. Did not enjoy that at all. The weird thing is with Mighty Number no. Nine, I guess what's kind of a trend for like the Kickstarter games. It seems like Kickstarter is a great way, place for a lot of these bigger developments, like pre-established developers yeah. and everything. Oh yeah, they're like, hey, we'll make a game on there. But what's happening is was it getting, ukulele, right? Yeah. But what's happening is a lot of them are getting picked up by publishers through Kickstarter. And I don't well, know. That's because they already know that they got well, pre-sales in the like bag, man. Mighty Nine, uh, Mighty Number Nine. They got picked up by Deep Silver, and I feel like Deep Silver has picked up a few of them. Do you think that that makes them indie anymore? Then no, I I would not classify Mighty Number Nine as indie because Deep Silver's they made Dead Island. I mean, that's a big company. They've they've done some big. Do stuff. they make it or do they publish it though? I believe they publish. You it. know what I mean though. Yeah, so like publishing is kind of different because I mean like it is, but I've just like the company that makes Borderlands. They they've been picking up a lot of smaller games too and publishing them, but just because they're publishing some of the smaller stuff, they're still big companies. Yeah, they still have a lot of money behind them. 
Borderlands I, I guess, being Gearbox, right? Yep, Gearbox. Which and, is weird because they started as a contract company, if I remember correctly, because yep. they did Half-Life Opposing Force and Blue Shift Yep. for Valve back in the day. Yep, and that's how he had connections to, to release your Duke Nukem game. Uh, that always comes back to Duke Nukem. I about that. I hate that damn and game then, so uh, much. Alien. Oh, that was a disaster, too. But um, I don't know, like... I'm, I do see a lot of these... Com- Colonial Marines. I feel like the, the best way to describe what an indie company is, it's kind of that starving artist. The indie companies that are published, that are making their games, either through crowdsourcing or self-publish, they're doing it because all they care about is that game. Well, it's weird, though, because I feel like because they're able to get picked up by a publisher, there's also a bunch of like larger companies that are... Because I always think that like Flower and... um. Oh, what are some of those other ones? Oh, you mean like Journey, yeah, Flower, and yeah, Tangled? That have, yeah, that have that are very... Entwined. In, oh, uh, Unraveled. No, well, there's that too. But Entwined was a game actually made by, I think, Santa Monica Studios, or it was kind yeah, of like that's, a... Yeah, that's a lot of the PlayStation stuff, It was like that's a where stu- Flower a stu- came stu- out of, right? Yeah, it was a student-made game that Sony ended up picking up and releasing, and it was, it was a pretty cool game. It was, you basically had two opposing colors that could kind of mix and and spread out to collect orbs in a circular form. It was a pretty cool game, but... I played, uh, I played Hue, too. Did you play that? Yeah. That was good. But I feel like right now, what's happening is the indie is in this huge growth right now, and all the AAA games are like, how can we make money on an annual basis? So they're, they're working a lot harder to make these games that they can turn around in 12 to 18 months without having to, you know, three years in, make every three years make this big game. They're like, hey, we can just have part of our company maybe why uh they're in the early developments of a big game take all those coders or all those employees and throw them into a side project well it's cool because then it like actually lets those people still work and everything so there's no real downtime yep and then like my favorite kind of like triple a (laughs) indie is um you have like uh, ubi art ubi art they're the ones responsible for both rayman origins and rayman legends but they've also made a game called child of light and they made Uh, Valiant Hearts, which is about this soldier during World War II with his dog. It was an incredible game. But those are like really small games that you play them, you can probably beat them in 10 hours or less, and it's like it's just a cool experience. And that's exactly what indie games have been lately, is they're not these really long, big games, but they're experiences that are just more memorable. See, and I, I think I like that a lot better, although I will say that the art style is starting to mess with me a little bit, because a oh, lot all of them the try to follow the same art style. You think? I think so. I don't know. They can't, I feel like 8-bit eight, eight and 16-bit. Hugh honestly made me think a lot of uh, Limbo. Do you remember Limbo? Yep. It was another good indie game yep. that was uh, And their follow-up inside. Inside was good, I too. Never, I never played that. I highly recommend it. I can't... The problem is... That game probably didn't do that well because you can't talk about it without ruining the game. Really? Yeah, it's one of those games that all I really remember is the ending, and the ending is such a big deal that if I tell you, it ruins the whole game. Oh man! So how do you make a game that has to be so like just like how long is the game though? It's probably six hours. See, I'm I'm okay with these smaller experiences because it almost feels like back when the super nintendo era was which i'm guessing is why they do a lot of the same artwork because then you would go and you'd pick up a game and you'd be like okay well what is it it's a platformer well you kind of generally know how to play a platformer but then you get a weird thing where it's it's a platformer with a weird art style or it's a uh what is it i played uh was it down 
Downfall? Was it Downfall or Downwell or something? Okay. Uh, I can't quite remember. I, I Like I said, I went through the library and just kind of... Bring up games you played then. Oh, I, that is. What do you got? That is. Um, how, about, how about the game we just played? How about Duck Game? Duck Game's good. <laughs> Duck Game is great. So, you know, Duck Game, I feel, falls what, in the in the 16-bit era. I, I feel like that's 16-bit, but a yeah, lot faster. Yeah, that would definitely be 16-bit Or sure. like how we love Nidhogg. Nidhogg, Nidhogg is, is another great. Game. Nidhogg just looks like a, it, it's supposed Atari to be, game. It, it's, it's Atari or like an 8-bit game, but it's so much faster with such high processing power compared to it. And I don't know, like even the example I've been talking about the last few weeks, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley looks like it was pulled directly out of the original Pokemon games, but it's Harvest Moon, and it just it lands really well in that in that format. But that's the longest indie game I've ever played. I think I ended up putting over sixty hours into it easily. And I, I don't know, like, and then you mentioned Braid. That just makes me think about like my big first experience. What was your What was your big one that you were Castle like, Crashers? Oh, oh yeah, I mean, Castle that Crashers was made by uh, the Behemoth. Yeah, which, which is kind of funny because that game was digital, but the game beforehand, because the guy that Newgrounds, yeah, Newgrounds. gotta give props, man. Props to props to do. That's uh Dan Paladin and Tom Fulp, oh, the two okay. guys. Uh, Dan Paladin did the artwork. Tom Fulp did the programming. Tom Fulp owns Newgrounds. And see, they've had a few now. Well, prior to that though, they went and they did uh, Alien Hominoid. And they actually had to do a physical yeah. disc release. Yep, for GameCube. Because they did that. Yep, GameCube and PlayStation 2. I was on PlayStation 2. I didn't yep. know that. And they did that in a time like when trying to put something on disc was like impossible and trying to make a game was just like ridiculous. And they managed to do it with like a over-enhanced version of like this Flash game that they had. And then from there, they went on to do Castle Crashers. And that was digital. And I think Castle Crashers did just money. I almost feel like Castle Crashers reinvigorated the beat 'em up. Oh, it absolutely did. Because before Castle Crashers, I don't remember one since like the maybe Bouncer for PS2 that I liked, and I don't. That doesn't, I mean, that's a 3D. There's yeah, difference between yeah, 3D fighters, but man. It, so I mean, really, the Castle Crashers. I can't remember anything in the more modern era of video games, like the modern disc era of video games, where I really remember doing a side-scrolling beat 'em up. Well, anymore. I think a lot of a lot of that older style. Of gameplay with the 2D side scroll and beat em up kind of lent itself well to the whole digital era. I mean, okay, do you count? Um, oh, I don't know about this one, but do you count Scott Pilgrim? No, because it's Warner Brothers. But it's I mean, so I, good. Time, time Warner is and like one of the biggest like, companies in the world. Oh, it's such a good game though, and it, it feels it is, so indie. And, and, and again, that's where that's what I'm talking about. There's the market for indies is is going so well right now that even the big players like Warner Brothers, they're like, why should we even bother with a disc? We have a licensed game that we don't even need to release on a disc. Okay, what about this? Double Dragon Neon, because that was put out by one of your favorite studios. Way and Forward, which we're doing an episode on next. A- Way Forward's next. There's so much to say about Way Forward. Expe- Way Forward is phenomenal. Especially when you're playing Boyna's Blob right now. <laughs> Are you playing the, uh, the Wii one? No, I'm playing the Vita one. What's the Vita one? It's the Wii one on Vita. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like the fact that they dedicated a hug your blob button. Oh, yeah. Any game that has a dedicated adorable hug, thing. <laughs> hug button. That's just like that game having the dedicated quack button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like this, this whole trend of indies really growing. It just, well, you saw what Nintendo's doing, right? Yeah, and that's I. I feel like Nintendo's really building off the steps that Xbox and PlayStation are off the platform. PlayStation and Xbox made for indies. N- Nintendo's now finally, you know, coming in late and they're like, hey, let's take that platform 
give it its own like dedicated channel on our switch i think they're doing it yeah because they they announced their what is what is it called the program it's like nindies or something well, they, they call them nindies i don't i don't know if they're just gonna call it the nindy channel which i, I, I wouldn't be surprised because they, 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 they usually keep things as I mean, dumb down as possible stuff, you know weirdly that's nintendo titan nindy is smart though that's a smart name it flows well and, and kind it of rolls it, off the tongue and it identifies them as both nintendo and indie video games i think that the switch is probably like the best platform to kind of do that on too like it just feels it feels right for Nintendo to do it now. I know that they haven't dove in too much because it's like 360 Xbox went and came out swinging with indies when they like I said when they launched yep. their stuff. Braid was a huge hit on that. There's a whole bunch of like weird cool stuff that started coming out and spawned off that Castle Crashers, uh, Fez. Yep, Fez was amazing. The weird thing is is really then it kind of didn't go to Xbox One the same way because no. of, the, of the notoriety that no, they, the PlayStation that Four kind of jumped on, and it's like so like this generation it was you know all PlayStation Four, it was all PlayStation Four stuff, but now that it's like Nintendo's got their system out, a lot of people are taking their old retro games and being like, here's all the DLC, here's some exclusive stuff because because it was so hard for the longest time to get on a Nintendo console. Do you remember about the uh, the Nintendo officially licensed thing. Do you know about that sticker? Yeah. The history of that? All right, I'm going to explain it just for the sake of the audience members that don't. Okay. Nintendo has their official seal of quality. If you look on there, any Nintendo game has that Nintendo official seal of quality. And what it was was back in the days of like the original Nintendo, they had a lockout chip to prevent bad games from getting on their system. They would go to developers and they'd be like, Give us your top five games that you want to prove for the system, and that's it. And what it was was it was a there was a chip in the cartridge that would respond to the chip in the machine to go and tell it if it was a official licensed game or not. And the reason why Nintendo did this back in the day is because they didn't want their system flooded with a bunch of crap like the Atari, because that's basically what caused the video game crash. Yeah, they have quality control. I mean, which was smart because which is. Which is smart, but then when you realize how fast everything grew with the whole indie market, you had a bunch of crap on the Wii because any idiot could make a system <laughs> and put it out there. And then it's like, oh, what are your five games? Well, it's just five variations of the same thing. I'm going to go start another company over here. It's way easier to make games nowadays than what it was. I feel like they got flooded in that m- the Wii has just some of the worst library. The weird thing is, is I feel like Nintendo's really benefited off of the Wii U failing in this manner, because by the Wii U failing, it forced them to kind of move to a next console, mm-hmm. but put them two years behind everyone else. During those two years, all these indie developers have had these successful games, and now Nintendo just reaps the benefits. They're like, hey, you have this really great indie game that's already a proven seller, and you have all this DLC for it. Bring it over, and you know what? we'll even let you license one of our characters. We'll throw Bowser in your game, or we'll... You know, we'll give you I some. I doubt that they'll do that, but um, Ganon is in Diablo three. Really? Yes, Diablo three is coming to Switch, which Diablo three has been out for a very long yes. time. But again, it was a PlayStation three game console wise. Yes, but it was not on a Wii U. Ah. So this is what I'm. This is what I'm saying is now Nintendo's far enough. Now they're catching up. So there's just years of library all kind of coming down to them, and Nintendo is hey they're kind of giving like this little bit of bait to them. It's not only lead them into the console. It's, hey, you've already made the game, put it on our system. Hey, 
we'll give you some a skin, you know, a skin to no, go and put in his DLC to, content. Nothing is going to damage. Nintendo. You have all your DLC content. Your game's been tested, and all the bugs are out of it by mm-hmm. now. So there's no issues up front with it, which kind of helps on the memory side of the Switch. Uh, the games are all portable. Main thing that I was impressed of at the Switch, I think, like E3 announcement thing, was the fact that they're like, uh, we run the Unity game engine and we run Unreal Engine. But I there's heard, so many independent games that are built on those engines, and those engines are free to develop on. I don't know. I have heard a lot of downside on that though. Like I know Bethesda was all in, and they they you know they put Wolfenstein out and they put Doom out. Yeah. On the Switch. Doom, I but heard killed. No, in there's sales. a reason no one's following them. It, it was a very costly venture for them, and I don't think the sales were good. Well, Rockstar was worried about that too. Rockstar as like a little test sample went and did I think L.A. Noir for yeah. the Switch, and I heard that didn't sell well either. And I just it's L.A. Noir, it, man. You meant, can only play through that so many times. I, yeah, which is true. Which I'm a, I'm almost surprised they didn't go with Bully. If I were to think of any oh, any man. any Bully would have been great. Bully is on that on that cusp of not being too violent, and it was on the Wii. Yep. So they are, at least have already tapped into that market was, once what, before. What was that? That was I don't remember the, the spell edition. Yeah. edition, right? Yeah. They had it because they released it for Wii and they released it for uh, 360. But you know they're testing getting more mature content onto the switch because everyone knows that's nintendo's biggest weakness is third-party mature video games because they never get them well they've been experimenting with it and i have not heard any real commitment for future games because it's not working like we have friends that own switches they don't even own the mature games that are on them no i'm pretty sure uh they don't show canada does no what is skyrim rated i think I'm pretty sure that's M, right? That's gotta be graphic. No, I completely forgot about Skyrim, but I was thinking more on like the side of Doom and Wolfenstein. Okay. And then even like... Hyperviolence. And then L.A. Noir. Like, I just feel like those games, the AAA games that have been brought over that have been downgraded and reported have not done well. And I just, I don't see Nintendo trying too hard to make those games come over more often. Do you think that there's a market then for like indie M-rated game then? And that's a, that's that's gonna be a weird experiment, though. Is for for the right game to get onto the Switch that is a mature rated game. I don't really know a whole lot of them because even indie games as a whole, they do a pretty good job avoiding the mature rating because I feel like they still want to target as many people as possible because they're already fighting to get people to buy their game anyways. That excessive blood, you know, is just one more thing that they have to to market. Now, do you know if through. these are going on like actual? What is it like a cartridge? Oh, the the card. That's it's yeah, basically an it's SD basically card. Yeah, it's basically an SD card. Yeah, yeah. So, that tastes terrible. And, apparently, and that's initially I thought Indies were gonna fail horribly on the Switch because why? Because it, I guess it costs a lot more to get you to make that chip than it is to put it on a disc. It well, co- I know that they were having memory issues with like they weren't getting the bigger chips until like later. Not even that, like because a lot of indie games. Do you know about are, that yeah. though with Capcom and like they put half the game on the chip and then they did like half where you had to download the rest yep, of the game. Yep, and just like Resident Evil 7 is coming to Switch, but it's a streaming only in Japan. What? Because they don't have a car big enough for Resident Evil 7. But so... You know, they're trying to do all this stupid... So weird. Like, okay, here's the, a better example. Monster Hunter World, huge success. Massive success for Capcom. They can't get it on the Switch. Not only is its graphics just not where it needs to be, but also they don't make a card big enough for it. 
My question is like with the card though, are they going to, you think they're going to be able to go and do something like the uh, FX chip, how that worked back in the day? You remember that? No. Okay. I didn't have a Nintendo. Okay. So <laughs> uh, games like Stunt Racer FX or you would know Star Fox. Yep. Star Fox. So Star Fox had a chip built into the cartridge where it was able to render those polygon graphics. So you were getting full 3D. So I'm wondering if those chips have the capability of how much how much they're actually using on that itself. If they can sneak a processor in there so they could ideally push off that workload onto the cartridge itself. See, and I don't think they're going to waste their time, especially because I'm sure the FX chip wasn't that big of a success for them. because It that was, was huge. It was so? absolutely huge, yes. But I just, Nintendo has mastered the art of making games with less, with less everything. They've always been the inferior system as far as graphics and technology yeah, since they, the Super Nintendo. They were never running, so, they were never trying to compete in that market though, man. No, they were always they, for family and friends and fun. But Mario Galaxy on the Wii was one of the best looking Wii games. Yeah. You know, and they, they, that was pretty they've mastered the their own technology, so they don't care. Because guess what? They make their own software, and that's their. There's always their biggest success is their own stuff. It's the franchise characters that they have. Well, not just franchise characters, but it's just the idea that anything they publish themselves, they publish games that are pretty much a guaranteed success. It's very rare to see a Nintendo game, a published Nintendo game, do poorly. So it's almost Metroid it's, Other M. Exactly. So I mean, you're gonna have your exceptions, <laughs> but I mean. Okay, name another one. That was developed by Team Ninja. Name another one that's published by Nintendo. Uh, let's see here. How about... Uh, I don't recall Kirby's Epic Yarn doing that well. I know Did you just loved the game. Did it? Yeah. Did it, it though? Yeah. And it was critically raved. People loved it. And I just... it's The only other one I know of that did really bad was Project Steam. Or Codename Steam. Codename Steam. That's and right. That was, that three, was your uh, 3DS game, yep. though, right? But that's three, the one that used your uh, Amiibos. But 3DS back games, to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> There, there's a lot of 3DS games published by Nintendo, and it's still, even for that system, it's really uncommon for one to do poorly. Nintendo knows what they're doing with their consoles. They, they know what to make, and they know how to, how to give it a look that can't be beat. And, it's, and so now all these indie games that are coming in, it's impressive because Nintendo's standing behind some of them. And, you know, like Shovel Knight. I am, I am still shocked Shovel Knight is not on Smash Brothers. I mean, I am just waiting oh, he's, for this. He's in. He's an yeah. assist trophy, as far as I can tell. He needs to be a character. You think he needs to be he a playable? To be, he needs to be a playable character. He, he he's earned the right by being one of the first big. Dude, if if Waluigi can't be a character, what hopes does Shovel Knight have? And then another game we haven't even mentioned, Cave Story. Oh, so Cave Story. Oh, you know what? That was one of the. Uh, I was impressed because that made its way to the Wii originally. Yeah, that was that was one of the first Wii, Wii Wear, games. The yeah. Wii Wear stuff yeah. where they had oh, there was a game called. I had it. They they apparently released it in two parts, and I'm never gonna be able to find that because that you haven't said the, the name, so no one knows what you're talking was, about. Uh, sorry, it was uh, I think it was like Trade Wins or Lost Wins. You, you don't even really know the good. name. It, it was on the Wii, man. It must not have been that good. No, it was really good. That's the last it was Nintendo one of those very early game. That was the last <laughs> Nintendo system that I. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was what 2005. So the funny thing with Cave Story is I bought it on the, I bought it on the Wii. I don't even remember when the Wii came out. And then out. I ended up buying it more recently on the 3DS. And it's the Cave Story Plus Edition. Okay. And I am, I'm still loving the game. That game, it's great. And that's what they need more of. They just need more great games like that. That still, 
they kind of feel like the old school. Cave Story was one of those games, though, that definitely blew up that indie market. That was popular around that same time as Braid and stuff, so that would have been like 08 or something. Yeah, it was was around the same time, but the difference was it was a Nintendo exclusive. And that Nintendo was on PC also. Was it? Yep. But it started out on PC, buddy. Come on, all this stuff starts on PC and carries over. And they build an audience on see, PC. I don't mention PC because I don't know PC. Here's the thing about PC though. PC is something that you're sitting at your desk playing, you know, which is which is great and fine because you can have a powerhouse of a rig. But the fact that this stuff is older and can run on like pretty much a tablet now, you're now getting all of those great games in a portable system. Like they actually I thought it was kind of dumb when they were like, Oh, it's a portable system, because I'm like, what the hell is this? Is this a handheld? Is this a console and they it's the, it's them going ahead and they hit this that, nice perfect stride well, yeah because the they own the portable market oh and yeah they, they and do. they could not keep their feet in the, in the console market yeah so they're like wait a minute and then the wii u was a perfect example that they were so close on the wii u they, uh, of, of getting the switch on the wii u because i've there's been several times where i've plugged the wii u in don't i don't plug it into the tv at all i just plug it into a random wall in my house and I can play anywhere in my house with the tablet. I was I was so upset though because I feel like that they underutilized that. I think the best thing that they did on there was uh was it Mario Maker? Mario Maker was a fantastic game. Oh, and there's a there's a Mario Maker style game coming out. I think it's like Level Builder or something. Yeah, it's that's coming like out. That. That's one of their yeah. indie things. Like it's cool because it's like they kind of that's well, totally something that they it, set up for. I'm not surprised with the success of Mario Maker. I mean, obviously Mario Maker was going to be a success Mario because Maker people, was dope. People, people have, have been, been doing that make... for years on PC with with hacks, man. Yeah, they've been trying and trying, and it's like I'm okay. waiting for the Zelda Dungeon Maker. That's what I want to see come out. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind. I mean, we kind of got that with Binding of Isaac, another great indie game. Freaking, you know, love the that weird game. thing is, I'd rather see RPG Maker come back. Really? On the Switch? Yeah, I, th- I think that would be really cool. That could be done. It, just because of the whole like let's do a Final level. Fantasy maker I mean there's there's plenty of game creator like systems right now yeah and I, I honestly feel like RPG maker deserves a comeback and I want the original one the one that has more of the the 16, one on the PlayStation the, one the, yeah which was like 16 bit is what the the development yeah. the developer maker was for and I feel like it's a it's a good time for younger kids like what we were when we first played the first RPG maker having that portable I think is huge. I think just having creative games available, portable, because then you can work on it and put it down. It's literally you could bring your work. Because I remember rushing home as a kid or like running over to a friend's house and everything. Like me and Brandon, we would sit there and we would uh, just work on RPG Maker together. Like just endless hours. Like we would play on art. That was what our weekends was. It's we're going to go to 7-Eleven. We're going to get some Slurpees. We're going to get some... I think it was like Amp Energy Drink had just come out at the time. That was the I'm only sure. energy drink on the market. It. And we would just go and we would just work on RPG Maker. And we'd be like, we're going to make our own game and everything in school. But it's like, and then school. The whole week was just, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to work on magic spells. Oh, I'm going to write more of the story. And it was that fun, collaborative, creative effort. But the only time that we got to work on it was weekends because we could block out like eight to ten hours. Yep. Game development and any creative aspect of a game takes forever to do if they're able to go and figure out how to put more creative building you games on there there's one that you haven't mentioned that started as an indie game that was real big what one minecraft minecraft was big minecraft it, what everything you just said my kid has done 
through Minecraft. And Minecraft he, is on he, Switch, he has, isn't it? He has done something where he's I, building Legos. I feel like Legos. that's kind of ran its, ran its course, know, though, but, didn't it? So yeah, my kid could be playing Legos and be like, oh, I want to make this in Minecraft. So he's pre-planning things that he wants to develop. Okay, and then so he, that was then that he has for a, this whole he, generation. Yeah, and now he has a platform to then bring that idea to. And Minecraft is in such a simple game style that anyone can pick it up and build things. So they've kind of they kind of capitalized on that because there was a gap, like we mentioned, of no of nothing like that. Little Big Planet, I love those games, but the level creator, I don't know how people do oh, it. Oh, it was super you, complex. You, you basically need a PhD to be able to make a level. It was pretty complex. It was fun though, man. Some of those levels on there. Oh, they're great. Super creative. But sometimes I I, I wonder whether it's Team Sony that's making those levels. <laughs> <laughs> I just have no idea how I they do it. I think you have that dedicated a fan base though, man, you get some really cool stuff. It's just a matter of putting creative tools in people's hands. If you can do that on a portable system and allow people to collaborate and mm -hmm. everything, to go, oh, hey, you can work on the same level as your friend and build a level together. Oh, and I never thought about that with the, the Switch online compatibility coming this fall. Yeah. You know, if they did have that, we're almost like a Google Doc. Yeah, you could both either be in it at the same time, yes. and you could you could actively yes. like where they have it where you can have the two that, switches sitting next to each that other. That level builder game is has multiplayer build a level capabilities in there. We'll so see. I know that I yeah. no, I saw it on the little until it, thing. I know until it's released. I don't. Yeah. Sometimes things are a little too ambitious. So I, I especially by smaller developers. That I don't want to fully believe in because as I've been burned by the it's by funny, our fan base, the No Man's Sky thing. You know, they could be pitching something bigger than that's gonna come out. Well, it may not be they that big of a indie. deal. They were published by Sony, well, so it doesn't were. count. And it doesn't count. It doesn't count as indie then. It's not indie. They were technically indie. No, they're they're a small developer paid by Sony. Oh my goodness, you're ridiculous. That's how publishing works, Bruce. Well, I don't know. I've and never if, published a game. Clearly. It's funny that you get all like worried about. You're like, oh, I don't trust these indie games coming out. But you're like, AAA titles are great. And meanwhile, I'm like, AAA titles will burn you. Like, was it Spider Man comes out real soon? This coming Friday. Yeah, and I'm still like, shut your mouth. No, man. Shut I don't your know. mouth. Once I see it, I'll believe it. I see it, and it's Spider Man. I still have worries about it. I feel like it's not gonna, not gonna flow. Not gonna play right. Everyone's gonna love it. It's gonna get critical reviews. People are gonna, it's gonna love it. It's gonna be a great it. game, and Bruce is gonna be like. I need to find one physics spot that just doesn't work right, just so I can not be the game. Oh, whatever, man. Yeah, you you gain you you are you gain pleasure by disliking things that people love. No, I just enjoy when oh, I like physics. Spider feel I like right. Spider Man before it was cool. I only liked number two. Spider Man two was really good, man. <laughs> going back to the well. Don't lie. You know it was good. It's not going to be as good as I this have, new one. Look, I hold my games in high regards that I enjoy. Okay, and they let the new ones in. Embrace, embrace the future. I actually, you know what I'm embracing? Freaking Splunky Two, man! You posted that. Yeah, Splunky Two. Speaking 2's of coming. physics, yeah. Did you see the water physics, boy? Uh, it's it's gonna be dope. Bleh. What do you got against Splunky? Yeah, I, I'm still now that Dude, I first Splunky was hands down. Like I don't even care what you say. Splunky One is a freaking masterpiece. Okay, it is absolutely. It's it's an almost perfect game. So the fact that they're like, oh, we're going to do a sequel, I'm thinking to myself, how the hell do you top an almost perfect game? You can make a game that it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over again. It doesn't. It feels good. I don't think the levels vary, vary enough in, in style to they make it have a ro that, that rogue. Do. The rogue feeling isn't there to me. Like it just, you, it feels you think that it's less too, rogue? It, it feels like every time I play the game, 
it it just feels too similar. But it doesn't feel broken. That's that's it, where the beauty is because you can ideally get from the start of the map all the way to the exit without using ropes or bombs. I mean, it's, it's two main things you have limited resource of. You don't need to be the level. They make it easier. You can explore more with it, but it's not a necessity. And it's that weird mixture of because everything is procedurally generated, so to speak. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see that <laughs> um, because it is randomized every time. But each one of those things, it's laid out in almost like a tile-like grid that allows a path for you to get there. So it's handcrafted tiles that make up the randomly generated map. So it's always a different order, but you're at least getting a fair game every time, and that's what makes that beautiful, man. I didn't say it was a bad game. Not to mention the lore behind it. There's so There's, much stuff hidden. There's that, so many secrets. No, There's secret, the worm thing. Do you know about the worm not, thing? Are not Canada lore. had to show me the worm thing. But no, the the lore is that lore is not the same as secrets in a level. Those are two very different things. Lore is that you're talking about like the story behind the game. There's no story behind that game. No, but there's a story within the world, man. Like, okay, you, do you know about the uh, the sacrifice altar, right? Yeah, I'm sure you've done that before. Yeah, you know, there's a whole mathematical system between what you sacrifice in order to get different items. Still not lore. Did you also notice? <laughs> okay, uh, Kali. <laughs> Is the person that you're sacrificing stuff to? I how do you know that? Because it says that Kali's angry if you blow up her thing. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. So there, there's hidden lore <laughs> okay. throughout yeah, it. I guess there's a little bit. Yeah. I I don't know. So the game's not bad. I and like I said, I've been playing it more recently. Well, but you I got just, a you got a Vita, right? Yeah. So have you been just doing the um, what's it called when you? I have play not it? been doing remote play, but what I've been doing, if you buy the game, it's cross platform, so you can play it on on the Vita or on PlayStation Three or PlayStation Four. Oh, and it's nice. and it's the same it's the same saved memory because it's saved in the cloud. Ah, so you can you can play from anywhere. Qualities so to the cloud I, that I actually appreciate. Yeah, so it, it's kind of cool in that in that manner. But what I like about it for portability is it's short. People like me who are not masters at it, you know, it's a like round is forty minutes for me for a round. And see, mine is probably ten to fifteen tops. You know, I usually get to the third world and die. It's been kind of a pattern just to constantly die in the third world. Wait, third world or one dash three? third world so it's the frozen world okay I, I can't beat the frozen world i'm still stuck there oh man it, which is fine it I, takes I, a little bit i embrace that it's difficult and i'm starting to get better and better at it but what i don't feel is every time i play it i don't feel anything different about my my experience playing it so it's just i feel like i'm just playing the same it's almost like an infinite runner to me where every Ugh. experience feels exactly the same no. uh, i i know that that was a pretty low oh that's but, that <laughs> But what just I mean, just throw gravel in my face. That would have hurt a lot less, man. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just every time I play the game, I just feel like I'm doing the kind of the same thing, and it just it doesn't really hold my interest that well. But for a game that only lasts ten to fifteen minutes, it works. So it works for you as a portable, then. Yeah, but it doesn't work on my console. Like I have it there, and I the only thing I liked about the console is the whole playing once per day just to yeah, get the daily challenge. Well, that's the, what the, I do. I yeah. come home and I throw down the daily challenge, and I see where my friends are at on the leaderboards and everything. Blinky 2 has online multiplayer. Yep. I'm and, stoked for and, that. And just Plus you can ride animals, it looks like. Yep. Just oh. so all some of the stuff I don't like about the first one, I'm actually happy with the trailer, and that's why I was so eager to post that trailer for the second one. Because some of the things I think I didn't like, it seems like the the gameplay variation is now expanding. So there are things about like that you can ride animals in the second one. That's I mean that, be that could cool. be because that means there could be vehicles as well. You have no idea. They're, they oh, could man, easily you get put like a little helicopter or something. Yeah, they, they could ride e- a bat. They could easily throw in other things to add just more variety to it. 
Also the characters, it seems like they're they're putting more into the character design. So they're gonna put a little more emphasis on because it look almost looked like each character has its own special like gameplay. Because that cr the archery, the one character I think shows that's archery. Just items. You think it's just items? Yeah. Because I actually wouldn't mind if every character had one had a unique skill. Had to one them. one unique they skill. They might do that. I don't know, it, man. It would force changes in gameplay because imagine if your daily challenge, you are forced to use certain characters. It would it force you to play the level differently every time. I'm trying to think. When when does that come out? It comes I, out next year sometime. Yeah, they, they keep it? saying 2019 as a oh. PlayStation 4 only right now, which it'll is, be on PC uh, as well. Oh, I'm it'll sure. be. On, I'm sure it'll be on everything eventually. But I'm, it started on PC, and then basically the Splunky that we got on console was like their HD remake of it. You could not be brown nosing PC more today. You know what, man? Don't forget to talk about the PC. You know what? I will touch back on my roots, man. I used to PC game pretty hard, like 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but Do you even know about DirectX? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring that back up again. But I don't know. Like I, I see Splunky too as as a better entry for me. Because it just it looks more vibrant, it looks a little more more variety of gameplay, and it just kind of shows that. Because I don't know if you know this, but indie games are not known for sequels. A lot. Of, That's what I was just about to bring up. <laughs> I was about to say it's so weird that it's getting a lot of their games a they sequel. Make, a lot of games do not sequel well. Well, I think because a lot of it is those experiences, you know. You have a unique experience the first time, and they don't know how to build on that well, I experience. Mean, one of your favorite uh, would. Is Rogue Legacy an indie game? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know who put that out, but I mean, would you consider that to be a? Oh, do you actually have that on disc? Oh, I totally have Let it. Me see. It's even in partnership with IndieBox. Let me see. Oh man, I have the Steel Tin Edition for oh, PC. Wow, that's. I saw it in deep discount at uh, GameStop, so I went ahead and picked it up just oh, to kind of. That's pretty cool. That you actually got like, a physical copy. I'm of like, that. I'm like, how often are you gonna actually see a physical you, copy? You own it digitally, and yet you bought it physically. Good on you, man. I need to, I need to see that game on yes, myself. Or hopefully, you can run Windows XP or greater. <laughs> <laughs> I always love how they have the requirements on there. It's so one thing. I think that's why I got away from uh, PC stuff, though, because I didn't want to have to try to check my system requirements or you get too new of a system and then you can't run the older stuff as easy and i mean when you got a system when you got a console whatever was made for it was made for it oh that, that's i'll do that's a whole nother episode there's, i mean episode. There's, there's a lot there but i mean to kind of go on the pc thing though steam steam gets a ton of indie games they do i mean they they really are the catch-all i but feel they like also we're have gonna quality get a, issues i feel like nintendo is gonna get a lot of that carryover now though i'm mad right now the biggest one they have going for them is hollow knight so right now, like this year, what is that? Hollow Knight, and I think Hollow Knight is the second highest rated indie game, and it has been it's been brought to Switch, and they've sold over a million copies because of Switch, which is huge. So Hollow Knight is it's two D side scrolling, uh, it's a big action adventure game, and it's known for its difficulty. It has a lot of like. I would say there's certain parts of it that feel a little bit like Spelunky as far as how movement works. Okay. And Ghosts and Goblins. So it has a cool, unique gameplay. The art style is great in it. And it's just blowing up. It's just it's huge right now. What are you playing currently? Aren't you playing some weird indie game right now? Uh, Yeah, I'm playing Owlboy okay, for what's, PS4. What's the deal with Owlboy? So Owlboy is... I don't really know anything about its origin. I just... I kept seeing the name keep popping up. And so Owlboy is... Once it was released for the PlayStation 4, I picked it up. So it's very much a 2D platformer. 
adventure game, but it's very it's a vertical game. So instead of going left or right most of the time, most down of the time, well, that's what I'm playing right now. Sorry, you said vertical. You always do this. I'm sorry, it just kicked in. Down well it takes you too long. It's Devolver Digital, by the way. Oh, so it's published. That's for a different episode. Really? <laughs> yeah. Can we do a Devolver episode? Oh, we I totally, would love we, that. We, we totally I can. Because thoroughly enjoy them. There's only there's only like one Devolver game I enjoy. So what? Yep. What we, game? We, oh, we'll talk about it later. Oh, you got to tell no, me what no, game. I, You're going to forget it. No, I'm going to definitely forget it. So All it's right, okay. Anywho, back to Owlboy. <laughs> so Owlboy is very much a, a vertical game. So you spend most of the game going up and down instead of left or right. And so it kind of, and it feels different because a lot of times, like the main mechanic of the game is you grab things with your feet and pull them up and you can throw things. Is this... Did you pick this up because you like that stupid Zack Snyder owl movie? What is it? Owls of Gold or whatever? Hey, that's... that's what a, was that? What was that you, called? You, you nailed it. Okay. I always afraid <laughs> that's that I'm going to garble it. You, oh, you and that Snyder stupid is a good director. owl movie. Shut your no, face. No, he's a great director. I got no problem with him. Especially owl no movies. Man. The Watchmen? Slow, the slow motion in that owl movie was fantastic. Well, I was about to say, you know, he, he had a... Uh, he had a night owl in Watchmen, so there you go. He's got a thing for owls. And there's, I'm sure there was an owl somewhere in BVS. He probably had one in there Bad somewhere. Batman v Superman. <laughs> yep. There was probably also an owl hidden somewhere in a Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, I'm sure of it. One always forgets <laughs> that he did that. It's such a good movie, though. It, it is. But I mean, so as far as indie stuff, since we're kind of getting towards the end of the show, what are you looking forward to playing besides Splunky Two? Is there any other like, are you gonna get a Switch? I, mean, I, I think I am. I, I think mean, that the indie is going to be like kind of the big push for the Switch because it's a bunch of stuff that I can play at my convenience on launch. Uh, and then the fact that you can detach the controllers and a lot of these games tend to be multiplayer. And there tends to be a lot of like weird puzzle games. And as I've gotten older, for some reason, puzzle games have just kind of sunk in with me real hard. Yeah, I, I noticed that, that you really... I used to be really big into them, and I kind of got away. But my my like niche is really the strategy RPG stuff. I'm still a huge sucker for games like Fire Emblem. I, I can't get away from those. See, I'm wondering if I'm gonna get back into that. Like, uh, what are you looking to play then on Switch? You you gonna get into that Octopath Traveler? Cause that looked pretty good. You know, honestly, from what I've heard about it, not that good. Really? Like, I've heard good things about its aesthetic, and I've heard, but I've heard the story sucks. It's like an 80 hour bore. And I'm not going to commit that much time to a game that really doesn't have a Yeah, but I mean, you story play through, you burn through story fast. I mean, does that really matter? You could probably just, if you don't like it, complete it. No. Is if there I, anything that's going to get you the, to get a Switch? Because like, I, I really think that the indie push is going to be the major thing for me. I know they got a lot of good AAA titles and stuff coming out, but how much indie support they're about to have and a lot of this previous stuff that I couldn't get because, you know, a video editor, so I did a bunch of Mac stuff back in the day. I'm too cheap to buy a new computer. All this stuff that I've been missing out and wanting to jump on, I can finally jump on the Switch. And I think the Switch is kind of a good move for me there. It is for you. Since I have the Vita, that's one thing that kind of holds me further holds me back to want a Switch because now... Well, I could see you just... I can do portable... I can do a lot of those indie games on my Vita. Yeah, because you can do those through the PS4. See, I don't want to sit down with... I don't want to sit down with a console and do that. I'd rather take those games with me. I don't need the console. I can just download it. Well, you it. have a Vita. That's yeah. the thing. I do not. And then if so I'm going to buy a system that's going to be a portable system, then I'm thinking that might be my jump to Switch. The weird thing is there's only two games I think that have really intrigued me for the Switch. What's that? Mario vs. Rabbids is oh, one of them. because it's, cause it's I, strategy. Because it's XCOM. Strategy RPG. Yeah, it's XCOM. It's XCOM with, with Rabbids. And, I, and I've tried it, and it's good. 
and then Fire Emblem comes out in the spring. So if if I were to get one, Fire Emblem, it's it. Like if I don't if I don't buy it for Fire Emblem, I'm never buying one. Really? Oh, Fire Emblem is it? Fire Emblem is the only reason I I own a Wii. It's the only reason I bought a 3DS. See, I'm, I mean, they are the driving force. Uh, well, Pokemon's pretty high on that, and Pokemon comes out next year as well. So, I mean, if it's Fire Emblem and Pokemon, I mean, that's a pretty much a sell to me. Well, I'm I'm pretty happy that like I'm gonna be able to dock the game system, play with both controllers in separate hands, and just sprawl out on the couch in weird position like you could do with the uh, the original Wii. Remember that where you just got one nunchuck in one hand, the other remote's just flailing around. You're playing games that way. So I like the fact that I could play it super lazy. I like the fact that I can take <laughs> these games on the go. And I like the fact of what I'm going to be accessible to. Yeah, which which will be interesting. And I don't know. It's still it's still not there for me yet, but I'm telling you, Fire Emblem will be it. But until then, I'm still going to really, even if I say I bought a Switch, I'm still going to buy indies, I think, on PlayStation. I'm still going to have a preference to play them on PlayStation. Why? Well, the Switch, I don't like... The controller is too small for my hands. It is kind of tiny. I mean, you yeah. have small, frail hands, like Hardly. Donald Trump. So I don't have to worry about that. His hands are huge. But, the hugest hands. So for someone like me who has very large hands, I have to either play it in full. Did I you actually I can't, like the Duke I, Xbox controller? No, I didn't. Really? I, no, I, it was too heavy. <laughs> I, it kind of falls in the same place as the... Because you saw that they brought that out, right? Yeah. For the uh, Xbox One, they did that giant Duke yeah, they, they, they brought it controller. Back. But with the Switch, like if I have to already keep them attached, I might as well either play it attached, like the Vita, yeah, or I'm gonna play with a Pro controller, which means I'm gonna dock it and play it at home anyways. Yeah. So for me, I still don't see a reason really to play a whole lot of portability. It, it's still gonna primarily be used on my TV. So for me, I'm I'm still leaning that if I'm playing indies, I'm playing it on the PlayStation Four. I I just think it, it's the system for me for that. And if I get a Switch, it's going to be just like all my other Nintendo systems. I'm going to buy like five games on it. It's going to be like the best five games the system offers. And then it's going to collect dust after I beat all five of them. I'm just happy to kind of see the transition from one system to the other to now Nintendo finally getting on this whole indie thing. Because I feel like they're going to get a lot of really good, unique things that were previously not kind of available in the way that they should be because i mean with a lot of these games being short time i mean you if you're commuting to work and back and you're like our commute and everything you can burn through a game in a week then and then you're on to your next indie game mm-hmm. and then you're on to your next one I, w- I think it works so well for the format that they have that i'm i'm really really excited to kind of see where it goes and like how you're excited you're excited about it i i also think that excitement's good for the industry I think before oh, PlayStation really held the reins on how everything works because they were the big dog. And I, I know that Xbox still exists. Well, Xbox got online right, I think, first. But I know, but I'm talking today. So right now, the driving force is everyone's following PlayStation because they're just they've sold so many consoles. But what happened now is with Switch growing, developers have to now not only think about games as being on both Nintendo and Sony. But now they also have to think, how portable is my game? So now you're going to see games with more frequent save points. You're going to see games that maybe not they don't have to be as graphically strong. Because now they think, hey, we can actually make a, a slightly weaker game because it'll work on both consoles. So now you're going to start... Nintendo's really changing how the industry is looking at games right now because they're, they're definitely not the leader in graphics. 
So now they're they're making developers either choose sides, or they're they're bringing down the quality, so they can do a release on at the same time. And I I really think that's going to affect how we look at the next generation of games in 2020. There's a couple of games that I believe at least one of the Nindies, uh, that treasure game, the weird little uh, treasure game. It's like kind of like uh, Wario Woods that's coming okay. out. That's supposed to have cross-platform play. Yeah, and that's kind of that's that, that's, that's the biggest question. Ballsy to do, especially with a Nintendo console. Think about it. If that's an indie game, right, sitting on a PC, yeah, and someone, anyone, just sitting there, just being like, oh, "I'm going to kill a couple," you know, "I'm just going to play this." couple rounds on this the fact that they have a whole nother group of people that are going to be accessible to play that uh, that are just playing it on their go and that's actually that's, that's going to be interesting really leading into i feel like what's happening with the next council because so, right now sony's under a lot of fire by epic because they want i don't know if you know this but if you make your fortnite character it does not transfer to any fortnite on any other council but if you make it on any other council it will transfer to other Really? Yeah, Sony right now is the one that's out, and now they're all starting to... And then Rocket League's trying to make moves too, right? Yep, they all are, and Sony, they just hold so much weight in the Rocket League, was it Indy? Bum, bum, bum. I don't don't know who developed it. I I have no idea on that one, but just because they were on PlayStation Plus doesn't mean that PlayStation (laughs) did anything with them. But But that blew up big. it, It did. But I don't know, like just seeing how these how development's changing, it, it'll be really interesting. And I, I honestly feel like the indie games are going to continue growing and growing because now they're getting more spotlight at E3. And I don't, you well, just the, year after year, those videos that, are getting longer. The fact that Nintendo's like, hey, here's a showcase of handpicked by us, so they're getting like oh, yeah. an act because what is it? It's a whole dedicated channel, you said, right? Yeah, the Nindy channel, the Nindy's channel. We're just going to guess that it's it's going to be called Nindies. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they are getting like highlighted and spotlighted for the system, and it's cool because since Nintendo is so good at their first-party stuff, this is going to give them a break to be like, we'll pimp your stuff while we're working on the next Mario game. Secretly, they have nothing coming out in the fall except a port. Really? Ultimate. Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, that's all that's they got. That's not a port. It is. That's not a port. The Wii U one doesn't look a whole lot different. Yeah. They're just adding all their DLC to it, and Pretty adding, much. It's yeah, just, it's just like every other Switch game. It's yeah. it's taking a prior Switch game or a prior game, adding its DLC, enhancing a, it, enhancing it, rebalancing a bit, it, and then re-releasing it. And that's all they have for this. But that's year. what people want right now, man. People want cleaned up, awesome versions of stuff, and which is fine. There's a beautiful library of indie games to do that with, man. It is. And I think on that note, probably call it a call it a show. I would agree. Thank you for listening to the Couch Trolls Podcast. If you like this episode, you can find more on Facebook by searching Couch Trolls or on Twitter at Couch underscore Trolls. I'm your announcer, Canada Sanchez, with Brian doing the sound. Thanks for listening. <laughs>